This episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio is brought to you by The Shine Shake. It's an energizing, detoxifying, balancing shake that has 18 grams of protein, low carb, no blender required, tastes great vanilla latte flavor with clean caffeine from the green Kona coffee bean from Hawaii. It will give you nutrients and energy to power you through your day and help to restore balance and detoxify you. Available at kierandunstonmd.com. You're listening to episode number 53. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Hey, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Thank you for joining me today. Very excited to talk to my guest, Jennifer Fugo. Jennifer is a clinical nutritionist empowering women who've been failed by conventional medicine to beat chronic skin and unending gut challenges. Because she's overcome a long history of gut issues and eczema, Jennifer has empathy and insight to help her clients discover missing pieces and create doable integrative plans. Simply put, Jennifer believes that you deserve better. That's why she launched Skinterrupt.com to interrupt the failed conversation about chronic skin problems with helpful alternatives that you aren't being told about. She has a master's degree in human nutrition from the University of Bridgeport and is a certified nutrition specialist. Her work has been featured on Dr. Oz, Reuters, Yahoo, CNN, and many podcasts and summits. Jennifer is an Amazon best-selling author and the host of the Healthy Skin Show. Welcome, Jennifer Fugo. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. So glad to have you come and talk to us about skin interrupt and skin problems and natural diagnostics for skin problems and treatment for skin problems because, as you know, skin problems are huge. Mm -hmm. And it's so frustrating as a clinician who treats the root cause of disease to constantly work with clients. And I find even after I educate them about well, that's due to internal problems. They'll go to the dermatologist and come back and say, well, the dermatologist gave me this. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, have I taught you anything? It's about root cause. So, but what got you started being interested in this? Honestly, it's because I had eczema on my hands. Uh, it's a specific type of eczema called dyshidratic eczema, where you develop these, they almost look like little tapioca beads that sit under the skin. And mm -hmm. I noticed them on all fingers of my middle finger initially. And then um, I was in the last year of my grad school when I started to experience flares, where the area around where I was seeing all these little like crystal beads under the skin would start to become really inflamed, very itchy. And mm. then eventually they would start to almost like break open and I, it would ooze and pus and itch. It was just awful. And um, 
it started on the inside of the middle finger and then slowly spread with time, even though I was using a topical steroid cream that I got from a dermatologist. And I'll tell you something, for a number of years, I just, you know, I did, got the regular runaround. I was like, how is this all that there possibly is? It's just steroid creams. Steroid. And the doctor had told me to put Vaseline on my hand. She put the, the steroid cream on your hand and then cover it in Vaseline. And I'm like, how do you expect me to do that? Like that is so, A, it's a petroleum derivative. B, it's like it's going to get everywhere. Like how impractical is that? You know, and she's like, well, you can wear gloves or something. And I'm like, for real? Like this is where we are at this time? And um, I hate to interrupt you, but I have to because example of where medicine is, I talked to a woman the other day that I was doing a regular medicine consult on. And she told me that her doctor had her drinking a glass of red wine a day for her anemia. And I was like, where did he go to medical school? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's okay. I think, I think sometimes they try to some degree. I've had clients where the dermatologist uh, takes their shirt off. I, this one gentleman said the dermatologist took his shirt off to show me he had eczema all over his back too, trying to like make me feel better. <laughs> and I'm like, that wouldn't make me feel better if he hasn't been able to figure out in 20 years, he didn't, he didn't work on himself. <laughs> It's sort of strange to me, um, but I think one of the things is that, you know, dermatologists to some degree, they're not really looking deeper. Um, there are some really great ones out there. I don't want to generalize and say that all dermatologists yeah. are horrendous. I've had some wonderful dermatologists on the Healthy Skin Show, but generally speaking as a whole, I think dermatology really fails the people like myself and others who go through this process um, because they don't empathize with the level of suffering that can come with having rashes that come and go or stay for exorbitant periods of time, um, the suffering at a mental, emotional, and physical level that really, to some degree, I had described as being just quite a hellish experience, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. And so because I had it and I eventually started to think about, well, if somebody came to me as a clinical nutritionist, how would I help them? I started to formulate a plan for myself and it took time. It really did. I think that's one of the biggest things that people need to hear who have skin issues is that healing and reversing that takes time because the skin is like the lowest priority on the totem pole. So if you've got other things underneath, you have to address those first before you're really gonna see improvements to your skin. And um, it took about a year to stop the flares, to get the rashes to go away, for the skin to no longer be dry and cracked. From, and it took another, I would say, about eight months for my nails to finally grow out and not be pocked and all sorts of wavy and ridged because I got damaged from the eczema. And so, it, you know, it was really just this personal, personal interest. And then I joined these Facebook groups and saw like pictures of babies, uh, children, and, and even adults just covered head to toe and like pictures of them crying and just in pain. And I'm like, why can't we do better? Why can't we give we, people we more options? Yes, we can. And right. so that's why I said, you know what? I want to share the things that I learned with these people so they can stop suffering because this is not right. It shouldn't be like this in 2019. We deserve better as a community. And 
Um, I think one of the biggest failures in medicine in general is the fact that they don't provide you with all of the options. They only give you like the medication mm -hmm. options. And I mean, my dad's a doctor, so I understand how that is, but it's important that when you've got skin issues, you want to look at it from a full body perspective, which I'm sure we can talk about today, not just yeah. let me treat the skin itself. So let's look at that. What did you discover and what did you do and what is it that you help people do to find the underlying root cause of these issues? Well, what I found was that for me, I said I was in grad school, so stress was a huge trigger. I mean, a lot of times, too, they'll even, people will know stress triggered my rashes, um, and it certainly can. Stress is a huge factor. Um, at this moment, I actually consider there to be about 16 different root causes that can cause skin uh, rash conditions, and um, it's, it's a little overwhelming when you think about that, that you could have a combination of any number of like three, mm -hmm. usually three to five of these different root causes. And so for me, it was mm -hmm. stress. It was poor diet. I mean, I was mm -hmm. gluten, dairy, and egg-free at the time, and I had been so for years. It's an important distinction to make because a lot of people think they got to go gluten-free. They got to go all these, like take all these foods out of their diet and that they're going to magically get better. And that's usually not the case, by the way. Um, I had already been that and I developed the eczema. So I had to look in other areas. I just, okay, is my liver able to detoxify what's going on in my gut? I had some gut mm -hmm. issues for sure. I wasn't eating well because I didn't have a lot of time to cook. Mm -hmm. And um, ultimately I ended up with some nutritional deficiencies that I really needed to address. And for me, yeah. that was what ultimately helped the eczema the most. Um, but other people have completely different routes to rebuilding their skin. And so I don't want someone to get the impression that you can just do what I did and you're going to get better. My, my clients have all different types of reasons that I never personally experienced, like right. elevated histamine all the time and they're itchy and sleep with ice packs and things like that. I didn't have that. I did wake up in the middle of the night scratching. And so I had, I had my white gloves and all these salves. I had everything, a box full of products. Right. But, um, Ultimately, the thing is you have to think about the fact that the skin is connected to everything else. Mm -hmm. And when we start with that one idea and working to view the body from this like 2000 foot perspective and say, okay, well, mm -hmm. if the skin is connected to everything else and every other symptom that we're experiencing is actually a valuable clue mm -hmm. as to what's going on beneath the surface. Yes. I love that you call it a valuable clue. So you have to be like a detective. I always call hair, skin, and nails, I say the canary in the coal mine. When there's a problem inside, it will show outside. You can't hide it. And it's going to come out and show in your hair and skin and nails. And I'd love to, if you could share your 16 factors, and I don't think anybody listening, they, they, they get by now if they've been listening to me long enough that... <laughs> It's not simple. It's not, oh, all you need is to do X and then you'll be better. That everyone is a unique individual with unique inputs. And I bet we could boil down those 16 inputs, though. I have my force, my four-step framework. I bet each one of them fits into one of those four. But if you want to run those down, that would be great. Yeah, probably. I mean, definitely hormones and gut issues for sure. And the gut issues, and I'm just going to simplify this for this particular case. I mean, we're looking at a variety of different um, gut infections, dysbiosis, gut function. So are you able to digest and absorb your food, transit time, that kind of thing. So it's a bit more complicated than just that. 
and that includes leaky gut as well, which probably a lot of your listeners have heard about. Um, trauma and unresolved stress. Um, believe it or not, the one I added most recently was drug reactions mm. because it is surprising the number of regular medications like atenolol, which is a pretty common high blood pressure medication, mm. can actually trigger skin rashes. And um, some psoriasis medication, so it's meant for psoriasis, can actually trigger psoriasis. <laughs> and so so that's another one. Um, you've got liver detoxification challenges, uh, heavy metal toxicity, mm. um, goodness putting me on the spot here to remember all 16 hormones, thyroid dysfunction, um, uh, environmental allergies. I, I consider food allergies to be um, a little different than food sensitivities. I actually consider food sensitivities to be a symptom, not a root cause. Um, and so they're kind of under that gut bucket. A lot of people tend to think of them the other way around, but I find it to be more helpful to to flip them around and just view them as a symptom in and of themselves. Um, let's see, what else? Well, yeah. I, I, yeah, so you've given a lot of them. I don't want to put you on the spot, but um, I, I think they do fit into. So my framework is really, I call it the pyramid of success mm -hmm. that you need to address. And the bottom is hormones. And I always talk about the big seven. So your, your stress hormone cortisol fits right in with the cortisol. And the fact that people with a history of trauma have higher rates of eczema and skin disorders speaks to the fact that it kind of dysregulates that HPA, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And so the cortisol doesn't function normally. And you'll oftentimes see the flares in the eczema when you have that um, at mm -hmm. times of stress because the body doesn't know how to handle it. And thyroid and uh, insulin and estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA. And then my next is inflammation slash toxicity because inflammation is toxicity. Absolutely. Toxicity is inflammation. And that could be from external, like you said, environmental sensitivity. So from toxins in the environment, um, heavy metals, food sensitivities, which you could call that a symptom or a cause. Um, and uh, dysbiosis, fungal infections, mm. huge with eczema. Uh, I can't, I had a woman who was riddled with fungal infections and eczema. Well, she was riddled with eczema her li entire life, even on her face, which I always say that skin disorders are just as disabling to people as being overweight because it's something that you people feel a lot of shame about you were talking about the mental difficulties the emotional difficulties it's something that everyone sees and she had it all over her face and it was she had extreme yeast overgrowth so we addressed that that was her main root cause I find that people never have just one and they always have several like you said mm -hmm. and then my next level is nutritional deficiency and then the top is the mental emotional spiritual balance so i think that the, what you're talking about those six 16 inputs definitely you just zone in on it more mm -hmm. in more detail um and i'll actually add to your point about cortisol there's some yeah. interesting research that shows that people who end up waking up in the middle of the night or who become incredibly itchy at night they actually some some scientists have noticed a dysregulation with the cortisol where the cortisol at night in those individuals is going high so they're experiencing mm -hmm. the stress response and the way that they're manifesting that is in this incredible itchiness that will not stop um 
And, you know, there's also, too, to add to your other point about the fact that people are really suffering, mm -hmm. um, there's also been some, some research, and I do share this just because the people listening to this have probably dealt with a lot of looks, stares, comments from people that are not kind and that are judgmental or opinionated in a way where they think you're, you know, you don't know how to wash your hands right. correctly, or you don't know what moisturizer to use. Like they think it's a very simplistic answer to your problem. And it's not. And the only reason I share this is there is a tremendous loss in the quality of life that's been studied repeatedly in those who have mm -hmm. chronic skin issues. And there's even a really significant, like in eczema, and this actually was a study that was released in December of 2018 in JAMA Dermatology. Um, they were able to demonstrate that about there's a 36% increased risk of suicide attempts in those with eczema. And what's scary is that one in eight of those people had seen their doctor within a month of attempting suicide of just for the skin rash issue. So for people listening who are feeling like you're at the bottom and you're like, where do I go from here? Number one, you are not alone in this. There are a lot of people feeling very frustrated. And number two, you don't have to be alone in this. There are groups online that you can connect with and it's imperative that if you're really feeling hopeless, you need to find somebody to talk to because it is hard sometimes to connect with people who have never had skin rash issues and they don't quite understand. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they, they, they mean well, but they have a difficult time empathizing. And so um, that's why I think like, to, I think the other piece too, as I was saying, is there's, not being told that you have other options beyond the steroid cream, which then people get addicted to and their skin gets really upset when they go, go cold turkey off of it and they end up with that red burning skin syndrome, which is, can take like a year sometimes to finally mm -hmm. resolve. Um, there's just, otherwise they're like, oh, well, they have the biologics and the immunosuppressants, you could try those. And it's like, you're... I don't, I don't understand how that's a legitimate option when instead right. you could say, okay, hey, let's take a step back and look at your health as this full complete picture. Let's right. look at all these different facets. Because for example, I'm sure you know, keratosis pilaris, which I've had a lot of clients who also have that. So that's where you get this chicken skin on the back of the arms, for example, is a, it tells us that your body is, is probably needing vitamin A. And vitamin A is really important for your thyroid, it's important for your eyesight, and it's really important for your skin. And so if we started to say, okay, this is what I'm saying, like we look at those clues, those signs and symptoms as, as these little breadcrumbs that your body is leading you down toward an answer because it communicates in a much different way than we would love it to. <laughs> we would love like a printout, tell me exactly what's wrong, right. but it doesn't do that. And so we have to be patient. We have to have some, some love for ourselves in, in the way that we would treat a child, our child, so to speak, and say, all right, you know what? My body's trying to tell me something. I need to tune in. I need to listen better um, so that I can actually help it. Right. Yeah. Some, some great points that you brought up. I do, I do want to just make a comment that we don't mean to throw your doctor under the bus. No. Your doctor yeah. is really very intelligent and very well educated and doing the best mm -hmm. that he or she can. And I have patients all the time ask me when I tell them about these things that we're talking about, why didn't my doctor tell me? And the answer is because they don't know. And I, I always like to explain to people when I practice regular 
OBGYN and I gave the, pers the standard birth control pill, steroid, antibiotic prescriptions, because that's what I was taught, I was told that as being board certified, I knew everything there was about women's health. And, um, and so I thought, I, if you know everything, there's no reason to look elsewhere. And I heard it put very well recently. It's not that, that doctors think they know everything. It's that they think they know everything worth knowing on a certain yeah. topic. And I thought that that said it way more precisely. So they, they think that there's no reason to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they continue doing what they're taught in residency. And in residency, we're really taught how to administer drugs. So you bring up some, some great points, and that's very sobering about um, the mental health effects of skin disorders um, and, and the suicide I think it's also worthwhile to point out, like I asked my dad recently, he's an ophthalmic surgeon, you know, right. why don't you talk about this if it's associated with like macular degeneration or whatever? And he said, honestly, it's beyond, it's outside of the, the standard of care. He's like, I can get sued if I start talking about these other things. So he's like, part of the fear in conventional medicine is when you start going outside of that, you open yourself up to problems. So I don't, I don't necessarily say, oh, it, your doctor is intentionally trying to harm you or they're intentionally trying to like keep you in the dark. I actually don't think that at all. I think it's a combination of being overworked, of being afraid, of being really having their hands tied. And um, mm -hmm. that's why I think having a doctor and a good dermatologist along for the ride with you to get a correct diagnosis is so critical because here's the thing. This is the danger. You go off on your own once you think you know what you have and you start reading and Googling. And the first thing you're going to find is put coconut oil on your skin. It's good for everything. Yeah, I saw that you, <laughs> you were a no coconut oil. No so coconut oil. What do you know that I don't know? I freaking love coconut oil. <laughs> well, I'm not anti-coconut oil. I think that's the point to make. I'm not necessarily anti-most things. I think we have to find a reasonable middle ground and everybody's got to figure out where they stand with their right. health values and everything. But I think What's to some degree, my, my beef, so to speak, is that coconut oil is highly antimicrobial. And it's antimicrobial to the point where one of the hallmark pieces to chronic skin conditions is this issue with the microbiome on the skin. So the bugs, you know, we have bugs that live in our gut. We mm -hmm. have bugs that live on our skin. A lot more of them than there are of our own cells, as a matter of fact. And the area of the skin, like your armpits compared to your face, the, the makeup of the bugs will vary. Right. The problem is that when you're already struggling with that community, right? So you've got the good bugs and you have the not so good bugs. You start throwing in coconut oil and what happens is it wipes everything out. And opportunistic bacteria and yeast and other fungal organisms and such have are able to really come back into that environment much quicker. And it also, I've seen a lot of clients who are actually developing almost an allergic type reaction to coconut oil being applied to their mm -hmm. skin. Um, so number one, it's just way too antimicrobial. That's one major, major problem. Um, you'd be better off using like jojoba, which is a lot closer to the natural sebum that the skin produces, olive oil, avocado oil, um, even sesame 
uh, oil, but um, you know, it's, it does have a pretty strong smell and it's pretty thick and greasy. I think it's better for the winter right. time um, and using it at night before you go to bed. But those would be better choices. Also, coconut oil is so saturated, it's very difficult for your skin to actually absorb it. So mm -hmm. it sits on top of the skin almost like saran wrap would, and it prevents the skin from being able to properly breathe. Um, mm -hmm. And it can also cause people to feel hotter once they've applied it because it's just not being absorbed. Um, so those are like two of the main reasons why. And if I actually have an article on my website that details why it's really not appropriate, especially for rash skin to be applied and the amount of comments of people who have been like, oh my gosh, I have been using it because I read online, but I've been having all these problems and I thought it was something else. And I stopped the coconut oil and I realized it was the coconut oil this entire time. So um, there's even That's massage amazing. therapists. Yes, <laughs> and I have um, experienced people becoming sensitive to it and then having skin rashes mm -hmm. um, because of gut issues and such. Uh, so it's good to know, you know, it's got medium chain triglycerides, good for your brain. I'm like, I need that on my brain, in my brain. So, <laughs> uh, but you can get it other ways. And so what, what are um, other good tools, natural tools that you like to recommend for people for skincare, for cleansing, for hydration and things like that? Well, I'll say this. I think most people are using very harsh cleansers and they're making it too complicated. There's a whole process called oil cleansing, which is really easy. You basically take the oil, you rub it on your face, <laughs> You get a hot washcloth and you wipe it off and that's it. And believe it or not, it doesn't dry your skin out. So if you've got um, skin that's really dry, it's nice. It does wipe the oil off. It does, you'll even look at the washcloth. You can see that there is dirt and things that have been removed, but it doesn't remove the moisture from the skin. Um, and so I just, I have a couple of different products that I just personally use, but they're really just oil blends. There's nothing, anything, there's nothing fancy to them. Um, also right. like milk, they're called milks, but they don't have milk in them. So it's like a milkier mm -hmm. substance that does not foam. A lot of the foaming agents are very harsh. And if you've got sensitive skin, that can be a real problem. I would also tell people if you're just like, oh, I'm just going to wash my skin with water. Don't do that. <laughs> you're not really going to clean your skin appropriately. Right. <laughs> um, it's just not. It's also very drying. That's why I would just say the oil cleansing is the easiest method. It, I know for people, like for me in the beginning, I was like, oil on my face. I'm not putting oil on my face. Uh, you know what? It is one of the most, um, it's one of the easiest, simplest in things to do. You And also too, if you find you're sensitive to a lot of things because you can just get like a single single oil, like you could get jojoba oil, or you could do it with olive yeah. oil, it doesn't really matter, just yeah. not mineral oil, no mineral oil people. And not essential oils people. <laughs> not essential oils, and you should never put essential oils on skin rashes. That mm -hmm. is another no-no. I'm not a, an essential oils expert, but everyone that I have spoken to has said you do not apply them directly to skin rashes. That is like a no-no thing to do. Um, yeah. And you also have to be careful with salves that have menthols in them. Those are not good to apply to skin rashes because they can mm. burn. Um, but as far as applying oils and things, um, I've used different products. Like I, 
I enjoy Mother Dirt's products, which help mm -hmm. bring back the ammonia oxide oxidizing bacteria. Um, they're sort of like considered the uh, little, I don't know, little bouncer. I, we Like in the gut, we say, well, there's bouncers in the club that help maintain the healthy microbiome balance. They're sort of like that. They've been lost with time. Um, so I really enjoy their products. Um, I also use some serums that have different oils in them. I love some of the serums that have CBD in them as well, because that can actually help reduce redness. And um, they're just really soothing and light. Um, so I use uh, Cuscus. It's K-H-U-S-K-A-H-U-S, <laughs> their mm -hmm. products. That's what okay. I personally use. But I think with people, it depends. If their skin's really angry, it's best to figure out what's going on before you yes. just like, try a bunch of things. Like reach out for help, find out, get a biopsy, find out what you actually have. I've had a number of clients that were misdiagnosed, told they had psoriasis, and they actually had dandruff or seborrheic dermatitis. Um, so it's important to get an appropriate diagnosis before like just diving in and um, throwing everything at it. Yeah, and everybody needs to understand that if you're using one of these detergent cleansers, you're actually drying out the yep. skin, you're removing the natural moisture, you're removing the natural bacteria, and then you're going to be stuck with dry skin with no skin biome, and you're going to need lots of product to try to get that back. And so a lot of what we do with our hair, with our skin, mm -hmm is we remove what's healthy and then we're stuck trying to replenish it when the body really does a pretty good job of cleaning itself for the most part. Now that doesn't, when I say that, I don't mean because we're so full of toxicity in this day and age, you've got to help your liver get rid of some stuff. And I was thinking when you were talking about the patient with the itching at night, um, the itching and when the first thing I think of with itching, it has to do with liver and poor detox. Um, so it's certainly something that needs to be looked at, but like you're saying, it's so individual. Yes, there are all these inputs, but you really need to know what are the root causes for that person. And I'm going to say something a little uh, exactly the opposite to what you said. <laughs> so you say it's important to get a correct diagnosis. <laughs> I almost... I think it doesn't matter what the clinical traditional diagnosis is because if you're going to treat it from a functional cause, what you're interested in is what are the abnormal functional inputs and you're looking at all of those the same in everyone kind of going through your Rolodex like, oh, is it estrogen, progesterone? Do they have yeast? They have Fung, right and and if you clear those up it doesn't matter what the diagnosis is it's going to fix it so i'm just going to be antithetical but everyone has their own philosophy of how they um philosophy of how they treat people and how they treat the body absolutely so, yeah. and i totally understand where you're coming from um i think my one concern is that because there's different immune activation in some of the different skin issues my concern is always like i don't want to overactivate certain parts of the immune system if mm -hmm. say psoriasis is present versus like um eczema which they're you know it's like the th1 balance to th2 mm -hmm. and 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 whatnot um but generally speaking you can do a lot within the root cause paradigm and one really important point to this is that for those of you who are listening to this and you're like i don't really see how my gut and my skin are connected they're very closely connected in fact so much 
that there's a lot of incredible research out that um, has come out in the last few years and is continuing to come out about the connection between the microbiome in the gut and the microbiome on the skin. And that certain factors that our gut microbiome produce, they're called short chain fatty acids. And the one that's very important for the skin is butyrate. And so the gut bugs mm -hmm. eat your fiber. Right? And they produce waste product. Those waste, pro waste products are these short-chain fatty acids that help acidify the colon, by the way. Your colon should be acidic, as should your skin microbiome environment. And so butyrate is really important, and it's almost like you're this internal communication to help anchor the skin microbiome. So if you've got a healthy gut microbiome and you're producing enough butyrate, it helps stabilize the skin microbiome. But if you've got all these gut infections and you have low stomach acid and you don't, maybe you don't have a gallbladder, so you're not properly mm -hmm. absorbing your fats and your proteins aren't being broken down, so they're heading further downstream and feeding the gut bugs and you're, you know, making very expensive poop. Um, that's what I call poop, where you're, you're not <laughs> absorbing the food and the nutrients. It's heading right. further downstream. Nobody wants that. Um, it's very difficult for your skin or for you to expect your skin to be healthy no matter what you put on it and no matter what you do to it. So um, I will just say this, if you have no gut symptoms whatsoever, but you've got a lot of skin symptoms, every single client that I've ever worked with who has no gut symptoms, they all come back when we do stool tests with gut infections and major yeah. dysbiosis. <laughs> And they're like, how could this be? I go to the bathroom one to three times right. a day. I don't have any symptoms at all. And I'm like, it just happens that this is how it's manifesting for you. So don't rule it out just because you don't have any gut problems. As I said, we've got to think globally and say, okay, what, where could the imbalances be coming from that are causing an issue um, in this organ on the outside of us? Right. That's great information. And I like to explain it that uh, metaphorically, our skin is our biggest interface with the external environment. So it's part of our immune system, but actually it's not. Our gut is the biggest interface with the external environment. It's just that we take things from the external environment and put them in, and our gut surface area is way bigger than our skin. And so those two have them are tasked with the main uh, responsibilities of protection, immune system protection in our bodies. And so so they have to be intimately connected, just like our Marines have to be connected to our Army, because they've both got different ways of handling with thre mm -hmm. handling threats, but they have to have very secret, intimate communication. So I, I like to explain that to people so they can kind of know, oh, yeah, they are related. So... It's great. And you mentioned um, something with gut health, and I know that you have a, a freebie you're going to tell everyone about um, that has to do with testing for low stomach acid yourself. And so I could one, I would like it if you'd help everyone understand what that has to do with skin disorders. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So the first most important part when you think about your gut health is that you have to say, okay, am I digesting my food and am I absorbing it? That's a critical piece to this whole puzzle. It's not just about digestive enzymes, and it's not just about taking betaine HCL. So if you're taking one of those two or both of them, just hang on mm -hmm. for a minute because 
a lot of times we think they all do the same thing and they don't. And so stomach acid acts as a chemical barrier. So it helps prevent us from ending up with infections coming down the, the pipeline and being inhaled or ingested in some way. It also is there to help break down our food and specifically break proteins down into their smallest parts, which you could think of them as like Legos, like these big proteins are this big blob of Legos and the, the acid helps pull them all apart into the smallest pieces. And if you don't have enough stomach acid, it means that those big proteins continue downstream. Even though you have enzymes in place, it might chomp away at a little bit on the outside, but you're still gonna end up with big pieces that aren't able to be absorbed because traditionally you should just think like, hey, if I wanna absorb anything, whether it's protein, carbs, or fat, it's gotta be in its smallest building block form in order for the body to absorb it. Otherwise, it heads downstream and your gut bugs get to deal with it. <laughs> and that's not usually a good thing. And so what we can do is make sure that we have enough stomach acid by mixing together a small amount of water and baking soda. So there's no real meal cost to you. And you, I would suggest doing this first thing in the morning on a day when you don't have to go anywhere. So maybe on a weekend, you get up and you mix this little baking soda mixture together and you drink it. And then you monitor yourself for 10, five to, ah, 10 to 15 minutes, I would say. And what you're looking for are big belches, like the type of belch when you were a kid, you drink soda pop and you'd have a big loud belch. That means that you have enough stomach acid. If you don't do that, there's no belches. Maybe there's a couple little tiny belches-ish. Um, that likely means that you don't have enough. And so when food's coming down the pipeline, there's not a whole lot there. There may be a bit more produced as a result of some of the signaling um, because of satiety and the way that our body is uh, produced is different hormones to trigger different things to happen. Um, you may have some extra stomach acid, but I found that most clients don't when we do stool testing. So there's a pretty good accuracy with this. And if you don't have enough stomach acid, my recommendation is, especially if you don't have a gallbladder or you notice... You should be looking at your poop, by the way, for anybody who's listening. It's yeah. a barometer of the body. But if you notice that there are greasy streaks or fatty clumps in your stool, um, that can mean that you're not absorbing fats either. If you don't have a gallbladder, for sure, you're not, not, you're not absorbing fats optimally, which is critical because every cell in our body is surrounded by a lipid bilayer. And fats. So we need to absorb fats. And um, using some sort of typically like a full spectrum digestive aid that includes betaine HCL, digestive enzymes, and bile. Um, usually you find it in as like bile salts or ox bile in a product. Um, that can be really helpful to um, helping to regulate that um, digestion and absorption phase of digestion or of your RGI tract so to speak. And so um, the freebie will show you and explain to you very quickly how to do this and walk you step by step. I'll just tell you this, a very small percentage of people, sometimes you get a little rumbling in your tummy and on a, in a hair of people, they will end up with like one bout of diarrhea afterwards. Doesn't mean anything, but just to let you know, that's why I'm like, do it on a day when you're not headed anywhere. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then it's usually over. Um, but if you do have, if you know you have ulcerations, I would say probably don't do this. Don't mess with your digestive system. Talk to your doctor. But if you don't know that you have any ulcerations or anything like that, it, it's, it's a pretty benign um, type of thing to, to try out. 
I love that, a, a home test that you can do. And I know we're running out of time and I wanted to get to ask you this, but maybe you could put, we'll put the link for your other freebie on the testing that people can do for rash root causes in the show notes. Absolutely. So they can go there and download that. So um, if you wanna talk about that, a, just a little bit and then that would be great. Yeah, basically there's a lot of tests that you can do that can help you or your practitioner. Um, I'd say if you've had rashes for a long time, it's best to find some help because when you start going down the functional medicine route, it's better to get somebody who can help you, guide you on that, that process. Um, but there are functional tests that can be really incredibly helpful. And then I also have a link within there that also talks about conventional labs that can also be very useful in understanding what's going on with your skin and it explains each one and why you could go to your doctor and actually ask for them. Um, many of those regular blood labs are covered by insurance, which is really nice. Um, and the functional labs just help you look at your body from a completely different perspective, but both have value. So, Great. So we will put the links in the show notes to do the home and stomach acid test, the link to find out more about tests that you can do yourself. And um, also we'll put the link to your healthy skin show and to skinterrupt.com. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for your journey and for the work that you're doing to help people heal from these skin issues that um, really don't get the attention they deserve and really need to be treated more appropriately and holistically by the medical community at large. So thank you for spearheading and leading that charge. So if you're having rashes and skin problems, what would your top three things be? Because we've covered a lot. First, yes, do the stomach acid test for sure. Got it. Use coke or stop using coconut oil. Don't put coconut oil on your skin. And if it's in products, I would say take like stop using those. <laughs> um, and number three, I would tell you to start doing breathing exercises every day. They are an excellent way to help reduce stress and to tell your brain that you are safe, that everything is calm, and that you don't need to be freaking out because that cortisol imbalance, you got to manage it somehow. And breathing, breathing is free. Two minutes can do an amazing amount for the body. I endorse that wholeheartedly. I talk about it all the time. So thank you for bringing it up when it comes to skin. And lastly, and you have beautiful skin, by the way. Thank you. The, the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. What does that mean to you? In Her Brilliant Health means to me that um, we want to live in a space where we are empowered to live and love in, on our own terms. Yes, I love that. We do on our mm -hmm. own terms. And that means having the brilliant health to do what we want. And then we can live and love the way we want. Absolutely. So, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I deeply appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you're inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. 
Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.